This week on the Picture Line podcast, we're talking to landscape photographer and workshop instructor Ryan Smith. Ryan runs Icon Photo Tours and takes photographers to iconic locations all around the American Southwest. You can see more of his work and get info for his workshops in our show notes. Head on over to PictureLine.com and click on Classes to get all of the info and details on our new Wednesday and Saturday classes as part of our More to Photography series. Whether you're brand new to your camera or wanting to take your skills up a level, you can get all of the in-depth, hands-on learning you need to master your camera. Just head over to PictureLine.com and click on Classes for details and registration info. Come join us March 15th and 16th for a seminar and workshop on Light on Location with Westcott Top Pro Ian Spinier. On the 15th, you can join us for an evening discussion all about lighting on location. Ian will bring you through his successes and failures working in the field, various kinds of lighting solutions, and his approaches to assignments. As a follow-up to the evening lecture, you can join us for a hands-on experience showcasing how to set up lights when working on locations through all sorts of challenges on the 16th. Seats are limited for this informative workshop, so please make sure to reserve your spot today. Now onto the show. My guest this week on the Picture Line podcast is a Utah-based landscape photographer. He is the owner of Icon Photo Tours, and his name is Ryan Smith. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, Jacob, for having me. Really honored to be here. Yeah, really glad to have you here. Uh, recently, you did a, an Instagram takeover for us. Uh, anyone can go back onto our Instagram feed and look at those and, and look at kind of Ryan's perspective and some of his really, really incredible shots. Um, you, your, your company name is Icon Photo Tours. Yes. And you've shot these really iconic images, um, you know, these, these different places around Utah and around Colorado and these other places in the Southwest that are, that are really, really um, iconic, yeah. for lack of a better word. <laughs> That's um, right. Talk to us a little bit about some of those images. Like what, what goes into them? What makes them iconic? What makes those images, like those locations even, sort of like iconic places? Yeah, you know, the, the term icon came back a, a few years ago when we went down to Moab and everybody was excited about shooting the icons. And, you know, I always thought photography in general, oh, do you want something that's recognizable or do you want kind of a unique perspective? For me, I like both. I love the icons because they're icons for a reason. Mm -hmm. But I also love to artistically make them my own when I go out there. And so kind of my goal is if I'm shooting the icons, I want it to capture in a unique and, and interesting way that maybe others haven't. And so, yeah, you know, icons, it, it's so funny because what, what an icon is today maybe was never photographed until recently and wasn't an icon. So the, the whole term icon just has this whole play on words and also Icon's not about just the locations, but it's also about the people who I work with. Mm -hmm. um, I really try to partner with multiple photographers in various tours. For example, I, I'm doing a, a couple of workshops with David Swindler, and really renowned photographer. In my mind, he's an icon. <clears throat> and so that's kind of the play on words of how Icon Photo Tours came about. But you ask about the imagery. Um, again, it's, it's funny because what today is not considered an icon because of photographers one day will be an icon. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of fun to, to make special places iconic as well through photography. And that's sort of what makes them icons is their images you've seen throughout, you know, whether Ansel Adams was the first one to shoot it or, you know, it's just these, these images from especially specifically the Southwest of the, of the United States, 
um, just these things that, you know, even if you don't know the name of it, you've seen it on in artwork and photography right. just all your life, whether you realize it or not. Um, and you mentioned shooting those in a unique way. Um, what does it take to give your unique spin to an iconic image like that? Is it is it just about shooting from a different angle? Is it, you know, what it, what does it take? Yeah, a little bit of that. But I think what it takes is getting to the location and not having a plan. You know, I, I know that we've all seen images and we've all seen unique angles and, you know, we, we try to go in with a plan. But my greatest advice to other photographers to make something really unique, even if you are shooting the icons, is to go in with no plan and get a good idea and feel of the location, what's happening with the light. Because if you're so focused and busy on looking at a composition that you like and you want to simulate, that's great when you're learning. However, when you become so focused on that, you miss out the opportunity of what that specific day conditions, weather, light is doing. And because every day is truly unique and spectacular in its own way. So it's really going without a plan and capitalizing on your time at that particular place and, and getting the look and feel. And just one example, uh, I was part of this large out of Moab conference, which 14 landscape photographers who are big name, well-renowned, uh, around the country and actually even internationally and I, I could throw out names if you if you want but I was just so fascinated with those who haven't been to Moab and the icons and to see how they captured it and you know I'm sure they've seen imagery of it but them not going so prepared just opened up a whole variety of shots that I was just so mesmerized by to see what their take was so mm -hmm. Again, I, I think really capturing iconic scenes in, in a, a unique and new perspective, go without a plan and really adapt and adjust your plan once you get there. So let's back up a little bit and talk about, because I want to talk about your workshops. And because it, it sounds like what you're, what you're talking about here, this approach to the icons might be, might play into uh, how you approach teaching those workshops and taking people out to these locations. But before we get there, let's talk about how you got into photography originally <laughs> and specifically even how you went from the first time you picked up a camera to landscape, to teaching workshops, to, you know, what, what was that journey like? Oh for you? man, it, the scary journey, you know, do I admit <laughs> how it started? You know, I, uh, so I'm a full-time, uh, medical sales rep okay. and, for the last eight years, I've been covering various parts of the country. And I remember being in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I went up to the park after work because I was in, in uh, you know, close proximity to the Tetons. And I saw people lugging around this camera gear, big tripods. And I kind of laughed at myself because I thought, that's totally old school. What are these people doing lugging all this equipment around? And, um, you know, because cell phones take such great images. I was just baffled. Sure. <clears throat> You know, my wife had a camera, and I tried to finagle it once to take uh, pictures of us, and it did not go well whatsoever. It was very <laughs> frustrating. Mm -hmm. You just think that you can pick up a digital camera, and it's going to work like a phone camera, but it just didn't. So that frustrated me, but I took a great shot. I woke up early for sunrise, like at 4 a.m., because I knew that I, I at least knew that you need good light, good conditions, different angles to take a great shot. So I was at the Molten Barn, and I took what I thought was an amazing picture. And it, it is, you know, I look back, and it really was a great composition, even though I had no clue of what I was doing. Mm. Um, but I went to print it for my dad, and I wanted to make him a nice um, canvas wrap at the time. 
And when I printed it, it really didn't come out anything like what was on the camera. It actually had a nice, unique perspective because it was on canvas and looked artistic. Uh, but I was very, very sad that it really didn't convey what I wanted the scene to convey. And so that moment, I thought maybe that's where the power of a real camera, you know, can come in. Mm -hmm. So I just decided, you know, let me go out and, you know, look at other tutorials and start learning. And that's what I did. So there's so much free information out there. Um, so I started to learn and I took a picture of the Tetons when I was back on business in, in Jackson Hole, went up to Schwabacher Landing and I took a, a beautiful sunrise picture. I woke way, you know, woke up really early, took a lot of imagery. I walked back to the car and I looked back and as, a, as I was about to leave, I noticed this low layer of fog and haze start creeping into the scene. So I got my camera back out took a photograph, put it out there, and long story short, I was approached by a gallery in Jackson Hole who loved the image. They thought it was a painting, actually. Mm -hmm. And they never had photography in their gallery before, but they liked this image, they wanted it, and when they found out it was a photograph, they were very confused. <laughs> that goes into kind of my style, and, and fast forward, we could talk about that in a minute, but fast forward, I've been in that gallery for about four years now, or five now, and selling really well. Wow. And that image was what prompted this kind of awakening in me. Number one, wow, I can, you know, not only shoot photographs, but share it with others. Uh, but all, all of a sudden, a lot of inquiries came through the gallery of who this photographer was. Oh, does he do workshops? So I started getting all these inquiries to take people out into the Tetons. And at the time, I, I wasn't doing workshops, and um, I kind of never even thought about that. Well, I teamed up with a couple of people, uh, a good friend of mine, Jerry Patterson, we're, we're doing a, uh, a workshop up in the Tetons this year together. And we started doing workshops together in the Southwest. And, and I teamed up with him specifically because not just because he's a great photographer, but his passion to educate and, and help other people was what inspired me. So when I team up with somebody, it's not because they're a great photographer per se, but it's because they're great at what they do, but also they have just this giving spirit of, of helping other people. And that's what I feel. And that's how I dove into the workshops. And, um, you know, my motto personally, even outside photography has always been strive not to be a success, but rather to add value. And if you seek to add value to other people in their lives, in their pursuits, in their goals, the success comes as a, you know, it, it comes, but that's not the intent. It's not, it was never to be a successful photographer or, or workshop guide, um, but it was just, how can I help other people develop the passion and realize, that's another thing, realize like it's, there is no magic button that, that makes somebody an amazing photographer. Really, it comes by hard work, dedication, and learning. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I strive to help other people is to help them overcome that hurdle. And that's why I love doing the workshop so much in addition to my print sales. Um, and we just have a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about that workshop a little bit more because you've, you've kind of already touched on it a little bit. But what is it that you hope people walk away from one of your workshops having accomplished? Number one, you know, people are there to, to take away the memories and to have fun. You know, I've heard so many stories of different workshops, how we're different. 
And what truly people have given us unsolicitedly is our workshop is a family. And we all help each other. And if I don't have the answers and my counterpart doesn't have the answers, at least we could provide somebody that does have the answers to, to our workshop family. Uh, so I always call them the icon family. And they're all icons. You know, we shoot the icons, but people who are part of the icon family truly are, are icons and inspiring to me. It's not about Ryan Smith or Jerry Patterson or, you know, David. Um, it, it's about... It's about them and what we want to help them with and accomplish their goals. And for me, nothing, you know, nothing satisfies me more than to see our workshop guests. They're not students. You know, I, I hate that term, you know, my students or my, no, they're workshop guests. We're facilitators. We're no better than anybody else. We're just facilitating workshops with our icon family. And I think having that attitude of helpfulness instead of competitiveness brings everybody together um, and that's what we try to cultivate as a culture within our workshops mm -hmm. and you know I'm not the best photographer out there there's so many people far more experienced that are teaching workshops but I think it's the family feel the having fun and if somebody can take away two or three things that that help them better their photography then it's a total success mm -hmm. uh, how would you describe your style You've, you've mentioned it a couple times. Oh, man. Um, and, you know, what, 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 what would you describe your style as? You know, it kind of goes back to the gallery. They thought it was a painting. Mm -hmm. They couldn't tell. So I always try to, to look natural, but I want to keep my, my, you know, the people who are viewing my work guessing whether it's, it's truly a photograph or maybe it's a painting. My style evolved into that strictly not because of what I like as a photographer, but what is marketable. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother dynamic of, of my photography is the, the, the print sales and the art shows and the festivals and the gallery. But I find that if people want to hang something in their home, if you can make it look natural and real, but also have an artistic quality to it, um, then mission accomplished for me. I, I don't know what term I would call that, painterly or uh, surreal, but that's kind of my style. Uh, my wife's always helped me go back to becoming more natural, but I still want to convey that, oh, is that real? Is it not? And if it can make the viewer look at my imagery longer, that's kind of the whole goal mm -hmm. is keep them guessing. Yeah. Uh, what goes into accomplishing that painterly look is it is it these long exposures that give you sort of the smooth look to any kind of movement or is it color you know what what are the factors that play into a painterly look yeah great question the secret sauce what's the secret sauce to the <laughs> obviously painterly don't give look? away too much if you don't want to <laughs> no but. it's totally fine initially you know i think everybody's got their their hdr stories for you you sure. know when hdr became big it was kind of that painterly look but mm -hmm. then it was like I look at my old stuff and I want to scratch my eyes out. It hurts so bad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I sometimes I feel like deleting all that stuff that's on, on Facebook. But it also helps me allow myself to see how far I've come. Um, but, you know, HDR was kind of that initial, you could, you know, manipulate a photograph to really look like a painting. And there's certain, you know, software that can do that. But now you mentioned vibrancy, color. 
I, I am super saturated. I am very colorful. You have to really be careful because when you amp that up, it really can do other things in your editing. But as far as the editing flow that I use, I'm, I'm pretty, eight, pretty much 80% Lightroom and 20% Photoshop. Mm -hmm. um, I really don't manipulate the, the photographs in Photoshop unless I'm patching like an empty spot or removing dust. Um, recently, I have actually taken it another step uh, further for a couple of items not items, pieces that I wanted to create that are totally digital art. Um, I would say 90% of what I do is as I saw the scene, but 10% is I want to create something cool. A piece that I just created recently that's digital art uh, is called Field of Dreams. And I took a lavender field from Oregon. I took a sunset from pretty much around the corner of my house. Mm -hmm. I took a single tree down by Beaver, Utah, and then I took a Milky Way from Arches, and I created one shot. And I think that's the first shot that you featured mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the Instagram takeover. Um, and I did that just because for a lot of reasons, I could go into that photograph why I did it. But, you know, that's kind of a new area that, that I'm just starting to explore, too. Um, I know some people are against that. Some people are, you know, they don't like it. I think as long as you're up front, you know, and somebody sure. asks you if it's real or not, especially if you're selling that image, I think it's important to convey up front, you know, that's a, a composite. But that that's a little bit about me and the direction that I'm, you know, currently going through. But it's always evolving. Tomorrow could be totally something different. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I'm, you know, uh, going probably deeper into that question, but... I not only shoot nature, but something that's really been responsive in the galleries and at the art shows is my automotive series. Okay. And I do a lot of old, you know, Chevys and old gas stations and gas pumps and, you know, just old stuff. And it, it's kind of funny because when you put that up in the booth, you know, some people are super gravitated towards the nature, but then their significant others gravitated to the trucks. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of fun from a dynamic of, of marketing how important it is to add variety um, within certain limits of your photography. So I'll never not consider shooting a, a type of scene or style. I'm, I, I kind of shoot it all. Um, talking about how, you know, your, your editing process and 80% Lightroom, 20% Photoshop, things like that, how much of that stuff goes into – a workshop like does a, does a workshop involve that that granular level of, of detail of like here's the process to accomplish this kind of thing do you you know do you get that in depth with people or is it more about like you know capturing the image and, and being out and and things like that like how much of it is that technical level great question so our workshops focus on both Okay. Before the workshop, we really do a good job of listening to what the needs are of the clients. If they don't want that level of information or if they want more basic information, we really adapt to that. So our editing sessions that we offer, like in a four or a five day, we'll do two or three days of editing. When I say days, it's, you know, four to five hours. And, you know, it's really adapted to the individual. So a lot of the times, you know, prepping somebody before the workshop with PDFs or information or go, go download this or check out this tutorial, that's part of it. Um, the second part of it is, hey, what are your goals? What do you want to learn? Do you want to learn how to pano stitch? Do you want to learn how to edit a Milky Way? 
Uh, do you want to you know, learn how to stack photos for noise reduction? What do you want to learn? And so we really tailored the editing sessions towards each individual so that at the end of the workshop, nobody's left behind. Because I hear so many times, so many stories that, oh my gosh, like the editing portion, I need that, but it was so over my head that I couldn't catch up and that was frustrating. And so I came home with images, but they're images that, that I shot because as we all know, really the magic happens by taking a correctly composed and appropriately um, shot photograph as far as technicalities, but really processing is where the magic happens in photography. And so if we can't help people get that on a workshop, I feel like it's, you know, they're, they're not going to go home as happy as what they could. So again, to summarize, it's, it's, you know, all of the above, we do both. And, um, you know, but the magic happens with the editing and we adapt and tailor to each individual's needs. Mm -hmm. Talking about that adapting, um, you know, is, is the, the goal to help someone, you know, develop their own style or is it to help build on what they kind of feel is their style? Is it to uh, sort of incorporate what your style is into it? Is, is someone going to walk away from one of your workshops uh, with a picture that is fully their own or is it going to have a little bit of that Ryan Smith flavor in it? Or you know, does, that, does that question make sense? Yeah, you know, I've seen both mm -hmm. and it's what they want. I have no problem sharing my edit flow. And what was kind of funny is this last workshop that I did with David Swindler, um, we recorded, we always have a private Facebook group so that people can connect before, during, and after our workshops. What we also do is, is I recorded my editing session to that Facebook private group mm -hmm. so that people could watch the editing session over and over. And somebody who wanted to just watch but do later watch that video of, uh, of what I, you know, how I edited a particular photograph. And it really came out very similar to, to one of mine. I have no issue. And if that's what they want, that's what they want. We have other people who come to the workshops and just say, you know what, I've got my own style. You know, I'm over here in the corner. Uh, I'm going to be doing my own thing, but I might ask you a question or two we accommodate to that personality as well because the last thing I want is for people to not get what they want out of it. Um, you know, there was a wedding photographer from back East and she said, Nope, I only shoot F eight, F seven, you know, you know, 5.6. That's just my style. I want to shoot my landscapes that way. That's not the way I do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't discourage that. We're just there for considerations. And if somebody just wants to be with a group or at the icons and doesn't want to adapt anything that, that me or the other icon instructors teach, then that's totally fine. So uh, we really cater to anybody's you know, specific needs and wants. Yeah. How would you encourage someone to sort of find their own style? You know, if, if, it, if it looks kind of like what you're – process was of, of, you know, talking with this gallery and letting that sort of thing influence, uh, how you shot or, you know, is there, is there some sort of, uh, route to take for anyone who wants to be able to, to kind of establish their own style? Like what would you advise there? Yeah. You know, part of, part of this out of Moab conference, <clears throat> I really liked, um, Sarah Marino's talk. She's a, a photographer. I, I really look up to very, uh, just very inspiring and she no longer really looks 
heavily at other people's images for inspiration and she just wants to focus on her style so that for somebody who's really trying to develop their own style and doesn't want to be influenced by another then you know really define exactly what you want and i think it starts with the scene that you're shooting that's in front of you when you're shooting it define what you want and i'll give an example i was in colorado this last week and i wanted to tweak my my look and feel for this particular scene and I don't usually underexpose significantly, but with the light that was coming onto the aspen trees, the mountain peak was in the shadows, but with a little bit of light coming onto it, there was a dramatic sky. Typically, I want to have even light and even visibility to all the components of that photograph. But what spoke to me, I defined at that moment that that's not what I wanted for that scene. I wanted this to be different, and I didn't know how. So I bracketed, which means, you know, I shot three or four different exposures, but I chose the one that was extremely dark. And what that did for me, it was, it, it created this mood that was not my typical style. And I pulled out a lot of light uh, with just a little bit of light on the mountainside. And it really created this dramatic look that, that was totally new, like a new style for me. And so that's my invitation to others that are really progressing into wanting to develop their style is when you're shooting decide what you want that scene to look like when you're shooting it so that when you go home you've already had in mind what you want it to look like and whether it's saturated colorless I, there's a lot of photographers who are really going kind of a monotone subtle color look if that's the route you want to go for that particular scene do it um, but I, I will say this don't pigeonhole yourself into this is my style because I truly feel every photograph deserves its own style. Um, and, you know, if, if you're developing something and, it's a, and, and you say to yourself, I like how that's going, but I'm that's not my style, scrap that from your head because I think as we all evolve, if I was stuck in HDR land and I'd still be scratching my eyes out on my imagery, you know, people probably wouldn't be seeking to take, you know, photo workshops from mm -hmm. me. So um, if you want your style, that's the way I do it. However, don't pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself into defining your work by that style. Let it, let it evolve. Let each image and scene speak, you know, speak independently for, um, for what you want. Yeah. Um, and finally, one last question for you. Is there is one piece of gear whether it's a lens, a tripod, a filter, fill in the blank, that you <clears throat> cannot leave without, leave the house without on to take a picture, what would that be? Man, I, I recently picked up the, uh, so I'm a Canon shooter, 5D okay. Mark IV. I've had 6D, 6D Mark II, 70D, started out with a T2i. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that has just blown me away lately is the ultra-wide... 11 to 24 2.8 love that lens. or is it it's not a 2.8 it's an f4 mm -hmm. that lens boggles my mind and the reason why i was in death valley um and what was crazy about it canon was doing a workshop with aaron babnick that uh, that i was down attending and we had these mud cla mud crack playa tiles you know really close to the ground and i I threw that 11 to 24 on for the first time. And that thing, you could get inches mm -hmm. 
inches from the ground, focus on something very close to the lens, but not have two things, not have any distortion along the horizon. Right. Usually that, that type Almost of like a lens. Fisheye yeah, type you would thing. expect a fisheye effect from such a wide angle lens that's not fisheye, but there was zero effect on that horizon, even though I was angled down inches away from the playa. That blew me away. But also when I took the you know photograph at like F sixteen or F eighteen, you just you know that it's gonna be tack sharp up close and you know a lot of bokeh or blurriness or not crisp, clean imagery in the background. But I will tell you what, it nailed focus throughout that photo. Mm-hmm. Um, people think it's photo stacked. It's not. But that that just blew me away. Um, you know, so that's that's my new favorite lens. And going so ultra wide, too, gives you a different look and feel than, than most of your shots that yeah. are shot at regular uh, – uh, you know, regular um, – width so that that's the one lens i'll never leave home without cool awesome well ryan thank you so much for joining us we appreciate having you here appreciate your your perspective and uh where can people find your work or uh where can people get in touch with you awesome yeah so on instagram ryan smith fine art photo is where you can see all my work uh also on instagram ryan smith um or i'm sorry icon photo tours is my other instagram page that's more for the new workshop mm-hmm. uh, aspect. Now, if somebody wants to look at all of my workshops and, and the listings, uh, captureicons.com is where you could find it. In 2019, we're heading out to uh, uh, the Southwest again, including uh, Arches Canyonlands. And then David Swindler and I have a tour in Escalante. Uh, then in May, I'm heading out to Kauai. And then in July, in August, another trip with David Swindler out to White Pocket. And then I've got a couple of others that uh, that I have in the mix that I haven't announced yet. So should oh, be cool. should be a fun upcoming year. So check me out on uh, captureicons.com. Very cool. Well, Ryan, we appreciate it. Thank you for coming in. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Ryan for sitting down with us. Remember, you can get more information on his workshops as well as his work in our show notes. And be sure to go over to PictureLine.com and check out our classes and events page for all of the latest offerings that we have. PictureLine is, of course, located at 305 West, 700 South in Salt Lake City, Utah, and is your source for photography equipment, education, and more. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.